Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we are honored to have Stevie with us. So welcome to the show Stevie. Oh, thank you so much Avik. I'm so glad to be here. Lovely, lovely. So Stevie, like uh before we start our conversation today because today's topic is very important where we will discussing about uh, nurturing the emotional intelligence for a connected world. And but before we do that I would love to mention this to all of our listeners that uh, Stevie is a seasoned entrepreneur, best-selling author and the expert in emotional intelligence, communication and the leadership. So with a rich background as a five-time business owner and a trailblazer in diverse sectors, she don merges academic expertise with the practical strategies. Yes. So currently uh, as the CEO of uh, empathetics she's dedicated to fostering emotionally intelligent organizations through cutting edge trainings yeah so from professional dance to the marine corps stevie dons diverse experiences shape her insights into the human behavior so today we will explore the keys to connected lives through the emotions empathy and the effective communication So without further ado let's welcome again Stevie to healthy mind and healthy life. Ah oh, thank you. So excited to be here and such an important topic. You and I were saying that before we even pressed the record button. Such an important topic in today's world. So thank you so much for allowing me the space to share some. Really lovely. That's great. So so Stevie like um to start with like how did your diverse uh, experiences from uh, the professional dance to serving in the marine corps uh, influence your understanding of the human behavior and uh, the importance of the empathy yeah so i think in my experience i really didn't know what emotional intelligence was or what empathy was until a lot later in life um and i think that's true for a lot of people but for me being a dancer serving the marine corps and now as a corporate trainer everything i do has been about teaching and learning right i'm either teaching somebody something or i'm learning something myself and i've always been in that industry of teaching and learning and so i think for me those experiences are meeting different people working with different cultures um traveling the world and all of that does help me with the emotional intelligence and empathy that i now 
use and that I now teach because it really is about inclusivity and welcoming all. And I think those diverse experiences help me to learn that not everybody's the same and we have to accept people for who they are. And so I think in that way, it did shape what I do today. Really lovely, yeah. So, uh, I mean, as the CEO of uh, Empathetics, uh, Empathics, uh, my mind, my bad. So uh, if you can share like some of the key strategies or maybe the principles that organizations can implement to foster emotional intelligence and a culture of the empathy among their teams. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we really focus on within Empathics is just this idea of setting expectations. So often when we encounter individuals in the workplace, we all come with our own experience and our own thought process. And there isn't a lot of discussion about, well, how do you work? And how do you think? And what do you believe? And if I understand that about you and you understand that about me, then we can have a clearer conversation with less assumptions and less misunderstandings. So the first strategy that we always talk to our organizations about in our program is the first thing we have to get better at is just setting clear expectations. Simple things like, hey, I expect this meeting to last 30 minutes. Or, hey, the topic of this agenda is X. Whatever these little clarifications are, if we can set those expectations, everybody feels more comfortable and that they know what is supposed to take place. And one of the things that I have learned over the years about emotions is fear and uncertainty are the thieves of joy. Fear and uncertainty are the thieves of joy. So if we want to have a workplace that's happy, that's um, healthy, right? Healthy mind, healthy life. If we want it to be a healthy workplace, we have to get rid of fear and uncertainty because they can't exist and have joy and happiness at the same place. So in order for joy and happiness to exist, we have to get rid of fear and uncertainty. And fear and uncertainty come when we don't have clear expectations. So the first strategy we always say is, hey, let's just set clear expectations. Every meeting, every phone call, every project, what are we expecting? Let's just clear that air so that we can have a better conversation. And I think the second thing that we really focus on with organizations in the beginning is actually not about talking or speaking, but about listening. And how do we actually listen to the words and emotions somebody else is expressing without using our own? And that is a skill and it's not easy, but that's really that first step to being able to have more empathy and more emotional intelligence in a culture. That's really lovely. Yeah. So uh, in your work, you emphasize the connection between the emotional intelligence and the effective leadership. So if you can also share or maybe elaborate like on how uh, cultivating the empathy can enhance the leadership qualities. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So leadership is all about people. It's about being able to manage people, help people, coach people, support people. The thing that empathy gives us is trust. It's a way to establish trust. 
And what we know is that leaders who have trust-filled relationships with their team are seen as more effective, can communicate more effectively, their team responds to them better because they have trust. And trust comes from empathy. So really that's what we use the emotional intelligence and empathy for is to build trust. It's just our vehicle to get there. And so as a leader, your ability to say, read a room for the emotions in that room, mm -hmm. your ability to look at someone, see that they are struggling and empathize with them, sympathize with them, understand that they are struggling and that probably is impacting their work. Those are things that will build trust between the leader and the follower. And if we can build more trust, everything gets easier. So, um, Okay, like uh, empathy is often seen as a soft skill because we have a lot of uh, um, uh, sessions we have heard, like even even I have also uh, seen. So it, it it's counted as a soft skill, but yet it's crucial in various aspects of the life, including the business as well. So how can the individuals leverage that empathy to enhance their professional success and the um, the personal relationships also. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think that because it is a soft skill, it's one that we kind of put aside and say, you know, I need to, if I'm an engineer, I need to understand the technical aspects of my job. I need to have the education to be a CPA. But do I really need to know how to get along with people? Well, what you and I both know, and a lot of people know if we think about it, is the only way you get ahead in life is through people. And so if you're emotionally intelligent, if you're empathetic, people are going to like you more. People are going to trust you more. So when it comes time to get that promotion, when it comes time to get that new opportunity, you're more likely to be the person on people's minds because they like you. Right. And, and it's that no like and trust factor that we always talk about in the business world. Yeah. It's about who you know, it's about them liking you and it's about them trusting you. And empathy and emotional intelligence encourages people to trust and like you. So for me, when people are saying, well, does it really help me with success? Is it really something I need at the workplace? I always say, if you're looking for a promotion, you need to use emotional intelligence and empathy. You need to use it from the time you enter the interview room. I do a lot of coaching for people on interview skills, right? And we don't think about emotional intelligence or empathy being something to use as an interview. But if you're looking for a job, reading the room, how formal is it? Who are these people? What are their ages? How are they feeling? Being able to read that room before you start answering questions can help you get the job. And that is a soft skill, but it is imperative to success. Mm, that that that's true as well, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, any any success story you can share, uh, or or maybe an example where uh, implementing the empathy and the emotional intelligence led to the positive outcomes, either in the personal or the professional life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say a recent example is uh, had a person that was a potential client, right? So I was on a sales call. It was a video conference, much like this. 
so I'm meeting them for the first time and trying to win the contract, right? Trying to win their business. Well, the first thing I noticed is that this human seems to be working from home. They they are dressed casually, right? And it, you could kind of tell they're in their bedroom, right? Doing this call. And so they work for a large organization, but they're obviously working remote. So one of my first questions, before we even start talking about my business and what I do, one of my first questions is, um, do you get to work from home often? Do you have a mostly remote team? And the answer was, yeah, you know, we're we're 90% remote. People aren't in the office much. I'm like, great, that's good to know, right? If I'm going to work with the team, I need to know that. And he said, but, you know, honestly, today I'm home because my kid is sick. And I said, oh, you have kids? How many kids do you have? Oh, two. Well, how old are they? Oh, first grade and fifth grade. Oh, that's that's a fun age. He goes, yeah, but they trade germs all the time. I'm like, I know, right? I am building trust by just asking questions about his life, right? Mm -hmm. And so then as we go through, I continue to talk about remote work. I continue to talk about how our process is great for working adults and parents because they can use the skills we teach also at home. I have read the room in that first one to two minutes with this individual and created a connection. So by the end of the call, even though he had to say, hey, you know, we had to go out for three different bids, so I can't guarantee you anything. He said, but you're my favorite. So in 20 minutes, I became his favorite person that he had had these conversations with. And I guarantee you, it wasn't because our product is that much different. It was because I was able to make a connection with him quickly. And that led to, I got the email today that we got the contract. So it is a skill to be able to just connect with people, Mm. ask questions of people, learn about people quickly. And you will see the effect of that. You will see the positive impact of that. And I did in in that example. For a lot of my clients, what I hear after we've done trainings with them is that where they see it helping is with people at work that they didn't have good communication with. So, you know, I always fight with Susan. Susan and I never get along. After your training, Susan and I can be in the same room. We can work together. We can collaborate. What's different? They just started being more understanding and listening to Susan more. That's all that's different, right? But they weren't doing that before because they weren't using the strategies of emotional intelligence and empathy. So Mm -hmm. it really does create huge success. So what advice do you have for the leaders who are looking to create a workplace environment that prioritizes emotional intelligence and the empathy uh, in the challenging or high-stressed industries? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first strategy that I teach everyone in all of my classes is to simply do a pulse check, right? For yourself and you can do it for your team. But a pulse check is a simple one to 10, how are you feeling today? 10 being phenomenal, one being not so great, right? Somewhere, everybody in the room is somewhere in between. What that does is that creates a quantitative analysis of your emotions, right? So instead of just saying, I feel upset, or I feel tired, or I feel stressed, we can actually put a number to it. And what numbers allow us to do is to classify and categorize things. 
So what I know is for me as a leader, if my personal number is less than five, I know that means I am not in my best place to make decisions or have hard conversations. So if I pulse check and I go, okay, I'm feeling about a four today, then what I should do is I should either A, reschedule anything that is a difficult conversation or or hard because I'm probably not in the best place to handle it, or I need to at least admit that I'm in not the best place. And so when I go into those conversations, try and listen more and speak less. Because we, when we are not feeling well, whatever reasons there are to not feeling well, we will say the wrong thing. So if you keep your mouth closed and your ears open in those moments, you're more likely to have a good conversation. Now, flip that around. As a team leader, when I get my staff together every week, the first thing I do is ask them for their number. Scale of one to 10, how are you feeling today? We go around the room, what's your number? What does that tell me? Well, as the leader, regardless of my own number, what their numbers tell me is how easy is this meeting going to go today? How much information can they take in? How much focus are they going to have? Because if their numbers are low, I may need to change the agenda. I may need to shift some things around because if I had 10 things we needed to talk about and their average number in the room is a three, I'm not going to get through all 10. I'm probably only going to get through five because when we're not feeling well, not only are we not great at talking, but we're also not great at decision making and we're not great at processing information. Everything takes longer when you're not feeling well. So as a leader, if I know where my team is at, I know how this meeting is going to go and I can make adjustments to still make it a positive, good meeting as opposed to the leader who doesn't pay any attention to that and just bulldozes through an agenda or a plan or an idea. And then later they're like, why is everybody confused and nobody understands what's going on? We had a meeting. Well, you had a meeting where people weren't capable of listening. And so instead of changing, you just barreled through it. And now they don't know what's happening. You would have been better served to Mm. push the brake a little bit, change your agenda and try and get through what they could handle. And so the pulse check is a super easy tool that everybody can use any given day. You can pulse check yourself at any time. You can observe people and pulse check them visually, even if you don't want to ask for their number, or you can just create a culture where you ask for the number. And the more we know how people are feeling and what they can handle, the more we can make adjustments to be successful. Wow. That's really lovely. Yeah. Great. So um, also like, how can the individuals strike that balance between empathy and the self-care uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, ensuring that they are emotionally available for the others without compromising their uh, own well-being? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we have to think about is there are different levels of empathy. Mm-hmm. And I could talk about it for like six hours, but let me try and make it short. Uh, three levels of empathy. There's cognitive empathy. Cognitive empathy is really sympathy. It says, oh, I see you're struggling. Wow, that seems hard for you. I'm sorry you're going through that. How can I support you? It's cognitive only, meaning it's authentic. It's sincere. But I don't need to feel it with you to know you're feeling something, 
right? I'm being aware of you. I'm taking what you're feeling into account, but I'm not getting my own feelings involved. The great thing about cognitive empathy is the other person feels great, but you're not drained. So when we talk about needing self-care and needing to make sure that we still can take care of ourselves and our own mental health, even if we're being empathetic to others, one of the biggest drains on our energy is we're too empathetic. We get our own feelings involved in their feelings. And that's actually not what people want. People don't want us to feel with them. They want us to support them in feeling what they feel. And that's cognitive. I see you. I see that you're tired. I see that you're stressed. Hey, is there anything I can do to support you in that? Looks like it's a rough day today. That's it. That's cognitive empathy, right? The second level of empathy is the emotional empathy. And that's what most of us do is we hear somebody talking about um, a stressful day and we go, oh, I know I'm stressed too. Oh, I feel that, right? If you're saying I feel that to somebody else, you've just activated your own emotions, Now, that's not a bad thing. That'll make us feel very connected and that will make us feel like we're friends, but it's draining. And if you do that, especially as a leader, if you do that every day for every human you interact with, you'll be dead tired by the time you get home and you won't have any empathy for your family because you don't have any left, right? It's a battery that has to recharge. We can't just have all the empathy in the world. Like we need to put a boundary on ourselves so that we can refill our own cup, recharge our own battery, and then we can do more. So second level empathy, emotional empathy is really hard to be giving out all day long. So I encourage my leaders like really use cognitive empathy. And then if you need to make that emotional connection, then use emotional empathy. But most people don't require it. And then the third level is actionable or compassionate empathy. And that is where I see you're struggling. I feel the struggle too. And I feel so strongly about your struggle and my struggle together that I want to fix it for you. So now I'm going to fight a battle with you. We're going to be brothers in arms going against whatever it is, right? Actionable empathy is the most draining form of energy of empathy. It's the most draining of your energy and of your mental health. So it really should only be for friends and family. Like uh, actionable empathy shouldn't really happen at work. We don't really need that. We should save that for friends and family. Like when I have to quote unquote mama bear or get upset on behalf of my kids or my husband or my mother or whatever, that's actionable empathy. And that's okay because they're my family. But I don't need to do that every day at work. So when you talk about protecting mental health, protecting your self-care, it's really about saying, how do I use more cognitive empathy and a little bit of emotional empathy at work, but really save most of my emotional empathy and actionable empathy for when I'm home with my family? Put up those boundaries so that you don't burn out. Understood. Go ahead. So, uh, before we wrap up, like looking ahead, how do you envision the role of empathy evolving in the future? And uh, what would be the steps can individuals take uh, to stay tuned to the uh, changing dynamics of the human connection? Yeah, absolutely. So I think in the future, what we what we are currently working on as an organization, and I think others are doing the same, is how do we utilize emotional intelligence and empathy in the written word 
How do we communicate those through email, through text, through chat features? Because as more and more work becomes less face-to-face and less conversation, we need a way to still have emotional intelligence and empathy, even through just our wording or just our communication online. So that's some of the future of empathy and emotional intelligence that I think we're going to all be looking at um, over the next several years. I think if somebody wants to stay attuned to their own empathy and emotional intelligence levels, um, Mm -hmm. besides doing the, the pulse check on a regular basis, I think the number one thing people can do is just understand that emotions are controllable. I think a lot of times we like to think that emotions just happen and we don't have any control over it. Um, Every emotion comes from a thought. So if you had a thought of, oh, this is scary, that's going to bring up an emotion of fear. If you had a thought of, oh, this is overwhelming, that's going to bring up an emotion of anxiety or frustration. You have the thought before you have the feeling. So I think if you want to be really attuned to your own emotions and and how you're utilizing them, the first thing is to realize that they have thoughts behind them. If you identify the thought, you can change the feeling. And that's something I would encourage people to think about for themselves. Wow, that's really lovely. Great. So, and there you have it, dear listeners, another enriching episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life, where we discussed about empathy, so nurturing the emotional intelligence for a connected world. So a heartfelt thank you to our exceptional guest, Stevie, for uh, sharing her uh, wealth of knowledge and the insights. So thank you so much for sharing, Stevie. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and for the listeners also, I would love to mention that as we wrap up, you always remember that empathy is not uh, just a concept, but a powerful tool that can transform our relationships, workplaces, and the world at a large. So uh, take the principles discussed today and apply them to your own life, fostering a more connected and emotionally intelligent uh, existence. So if you have found uh, value in today's episode, please share it with your network, your friends, family who actually need this. So let's spread the importance of empathy far and wide for sure so stay tuned for more thought-provoking discussions on healthy mind and healthy life until then this is your host signing off avik uh from healthy mind and healthy life and take care have a great day thank you so much